that also triggered something in me to be successful enough to not only support my daughter financially from that perspective, but also put her in a situation where she would never have to worry about her health ever again. You're listening to That Worked, a show that breaks down the careers of top founders and executives and pulls out those key items that led to their success. I'm your host, Callan Harrington, founder of Flash Growth, and I couldn't be more excited that you're here. Today's guest, we have Jen Little. Jen is the VP of Sales at Ant Flow. Jen, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited. I am as well. We've worked <laughs> together for a long time now. Yes. But before we dive into any of that, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about Ant Flow and what you're doing for them? Definitely. So Ant Flow was a company I've been following for a long time. They started here in Columbus in 2018. The CEO and founder, Claire Coder, started the company because she had started her period in public, had no supplies whatsoever, and started to realize that bathrooms offer everything you need for essential bodily functions except period products. And so she's been on a mission for a number of years to support and fix that. So we actually now are supporting stores like Apple across the United States and Google and Netflix, all the way down to your local coffee shop, providing them with free period products. So I came on board, actually, it's been almost a month now, so pretty recent to help develop their sales strategy across the company. And it's been a really fun ride so far. We actually just hit all of our January KPIs. So that was a really, really big win for me in the first month. That's excellent. Yeah. Now, I saw the story yeah. uh, that you posted on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. How did this even come about? It is a good story. So in 2018, I was at dinner at The Pearl, which is a company here, or restaurant here in Columbus, and started my period, just like Claire's story, and kind of had an oh shit moment. And the server, the waiter that we have is one of my really, really good friends. And he's like, yo, we have actually products in the bathroom. Go help yourself. And it was the first time I saw Ant Flow products. I'm like, this is cool. And so I immediately Googled who it was and I saw she was a Columbus native. The company was here. And I just thought it was incredible. And I sent her a cold LinkedIn message and I just said, what you're doing is fantastic. And I just want to keep an eye on your growth and I'd love to stay connected. And that was it. A year later, I was working for a local organization and came across her products again, and she and I met. And so we just got to know each other over time. We've always followed each other's careers. And a couple months ago, she reached out and had an opportunity that just timing-wise was perfect. So it's been like five years in the making since I've met Claire and took this role. So you knew you wanted to be at this company. I did. And just the timing just wasn't right at the time. Exactly. And then over time, you nurtured that relationship and ended up being there when that moment happened. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. It was funny. I actually interviewed with the company a few times for a few different roles, but other opportunities that we'll probably talk about a little later is came up and were just, again, timing wise, wanted to really come in and make an actual impact. And so it was this year that that was going to happen. So it was perfect. I love that. Yeah. Where'd your career start? So I'm a Columbus native, born and raised here. I grew up on the east side of Columbus in Groveport. And your traditional like teen roles, you think about serving tables, bartending. And one of my first what I call like big girl jobs was 
being a property manager for a company here in Columbus that was scaling really, really quickly. They were building properties, leasing them up and selling them. And that's actually how I got to meet Ilya Bodner, who we know directly. I think I rented an apartment to somebody he knew, or I don't really remember the story, but we connected on LinkedIn and he said, you know, I have a role that I think would be interesting if you wanted to meet in person and I'd love to talk about it, but I'd never been an inside sales. So I kind of thought it was like a pyramid scheme, if I'm being being honest. But at that time, I was a single mom. I was not making a lot of money and I was very money driven. And so I did meet him in person and talk a little bit about that first role I took on the inside sales side. Why did you decide to make the leap? So funnily enough, I met Ilya. We met at a coffee shop that doesn't even exist anymore. And we hit it off so well instantly. And we just got to know each other. And at the time, he was moving a company called People to My Site over to the shipyard. And he said, you know, we have an inside sales role. It'd be like the first SDR, BDR we'd hire. We just landed an account with Nationwide that we're trying to figure out. But they had no health benefits yet. No medical, no dental. And I'm, I have a kid. I can't take it. So I turned the role down, mm-hmm. went back to my leasing and property management role. And a few months later, Ilya reached out again and said, we have benefits now. Do you want to come on board? <laughs> I said, yes. And so I was, I think, one of the first SDRs, BDRs at the shipyard, which was a startup here in Columbus. I don't want to say how long ago now, probably 10 years ago. It was a while. Yeah. (laughs) 10 years ago, I think. Yeah. So that was my first saturation into the startup world here in Columbus. And then kind of mold through the startups, especially in the insure tech space. So to circle back, so you guys met via LinkedIn. Via LinkedIn. Common theme here, for sure. Yeah. And... You guys, you talked about it. Timing was not right originally because you had a family that you had to take care That's of. Right. And then as things kind of changed and it worked out, that made you feel more comfortable to be able to take that leap? Yeah, it did because I always took roles that were high commission and low base because I always knew I could bet on myself. That was one thing I was always really good at. Thinking about roles that are direct sales roles. Like I was working at Bath and Body Works for five and a half dollars an hour or something, but got some different bonuses and things for hitting sales goals. And I was just really good at sales and influencing people to do things. I think it's because I'm the oldest of five. That might be why. Hmm. But I knew that roles that were a little bit riskier from a salary perspective was not what I was worried about. What I was worried about was making sure that my daughter was taken care of. I had medical benefits if something were to happen. And Thank God I thought about that because, you know, the story I dealt with with my daughter getting diagnosed with diabetes while I was at the shipyard. So I think back to that. If I would have taken that role without those benefits at the time and that happened, it would have been life changing in a bad way for us. So it was a really good decision for me to think about that moving forward. Let's talk about that a little bit. So already it was tough, right? Single mom going into a startup company in a brand new role. Yep company that just got benefits to put that in perspective <laughs> yeah. about about how early yep. of a stage it it was. And I'd never been a BDR. I'd never done inside sales. All of the sales I've done have been in person at this point. And I was really good at it. I was really good at body language and mirroring people and selling face to face. And so picking up a phone for the first time and calling someone and saying, hi, you have no idea who I am, but I'm going to sell something to you was terrifying. 
because I didn't know how good I would be at it. What was that transition like? It was hard because for the first couple of months, I wasn't earning a lot of commission because we were just figuring out how to reach out to allied agents at that time Mm -hmm. and what our product offering was, what we were selling to them. And we were figuring out packages and, and different things. So not a lot of commission up front, but I remember I started in the fall. I can't remember the month exactly, but I started with another person at the same time. And I remember by like January, something had happened. There was like this pivot and I got my first thousand dollar commission check, which I had never gotten before. And I cried. I remember sitting in my car, seeing my direct deposit, like, holy shit, like this is working. Why was that so important to you? Because at the time, my bank account was negative. I knew how how to swindle the banks to the point where you would go get gas, let's say, the day before you get paid. And I would swipe my debit card and it would draw negative. But I knew my direct deposit was coming in so I could avoid late fees. I was very good at figuring out how to be a single mom. We were ordering hot and ready's constantly. So for me to be able to pay my rent and my bills with one check is something I'd never been able to do before. And that was pretty life-changing at that moment. How did that change your life? Because I never stopped. I never wanted to be there again when wondering how my rent was going to get paid because I'm very stubborn. I remember my dad always said, you know, I can help. Let me help you. And I always said no, because I wanted to feel that pain almost of not getting there every month, not having money at the end of the month, because it gave me a perspective that not a lot of people have. And I'm also not a college graduate. So I had a little bit of friction in my whole career, getting ahead, getting ahead, getting ahead. And then once I figured out this inside sales thing can like really work and I can really make money doing this, I went heads down and just for the next until now, really, and continuing to just grind it out. And my daughter at the time was, I think, four or five, hadn't even started school yet. So she and I were kind of growing up together and figuring it out a little bit together. So it was a really pivotal moment. I remember it's like a core memory for me sitting in my car, looking at that direct deposit and being like, holy shit, this is it. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. That is such a good story. So for you, it was, I want to take a risk, but I have to make sure that I've got better. Benefits are like like number one, because if something happens to me, I don't have this. I mean, it doesn't matter how big of a risk I take because this can be catastrophic. So you you were essentially, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're protecting against the catastrophic, but are betting on yourself in, I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. And I am so glad I thought that way. I mean, I go back to that, too. And I could have taken a lot more risky moves. At that point, I was thinking about being an entrepreneur before it was even cool. You know, how do I go out and start consulting in the property management space or, you know, and that was a non-negotiable for me because I didn't know where my next paycheck would come from. So that was the big thing is knowing I had a consistent paycheck, knowing my medical benefits were paying being somewhat paid for. And that I had enough money to support a roof over my head and food in our mouths, even if it wasn't the most nutritious meals all the time. But, you know, it's what we did until we hit that point of really smooth sailing. So during this, you're gaining a lot of steam. You're gaining a lot of confidence. You had your first, you know, real commission check. And then your daughter was uh, diagnosed with diabetes, correct? Yeah. So... Around that time where actually you had come on board as the sales lead at Shipyard and our team at that point was really, really solid. 
we were really close. We developed super strong relationships and our team was humming in a sales environment. We had SDRs who, it was funny, as you know, I was an SDR. I actually kicked over to the AE role and found I was just better at an SDR role. So I kicked back to that role and was making really good money. And it just seemed like everything was going right. The team was amazing. I loved coming to work. I was making great, great money. I knew that for every deal I could schedule, I was getting a hundred bucks. So I just had this mentality of keeping that up. To this day, I still tease the guys on that team that I was better than all of them. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so in the spring of 2016, my daughter and I travel quite a bit together. That's one thing I always wanted to make sure I did with her. And we had taken a trip to New York for her birthday. Her birthday's in February. And I just had noticed that she wasn't herself. She was very fatigued. She was just kind of laggy. And normally she's like bouncing around. And there were just clear signs that something just wasn't right. And so we went to the doctor. It was March 16th. I'll never forget. And the doctor immediately checked her blood sugar. And it was like in the 800s. And at the time, I had no clue what that meant. I knew my like grandfather had type 2 diabetes and he took insulin for his meals. But I didn't really understand what it was. And come to find out it's a genetic disorder. And there's nothing that can keep her alive other than insulin. So we had to take, as you remember, like a two-week hiatus from our life and learn all of it. Learn how to administer insulin, check blood sugars, what we're allowed to eat, what she's not allowed to eat, the number of doctor's appointments we had. So I was out of work for not only two weeks, but she was out of school for two weeks because we had to train the school to learn how to take care of her. That's another really core memory of mine because I remember coming to you and saying, Callan, like, I really need to take this time. I don't, I can't be in the headspace to work. And it was so nice because you and the team sent this life-size doll, which still terrified the hell out of me, of Anna from Frozen because she was so young at that time. That was her thing. And I just remember how bad that time was from like just learning your child has a medical handicap to having a team that just rallied around you and being able to come to work and support the amount of medical bills we were facing, which was really important. And she, my daughter's amazing. She bounced, I think the whole time she didn't really like know kind of what was going on, which was probably a blessing. And she just took it with stride. And her dad and I were just wrecked. I mean, there were nights where we didn't sleep and I didn't know what to do. I thought my daughter was like, gonna die. I really did. I didn't know how severe it was, but she's a rock star. She'll be 14 this month now. And she's one of the most amazing people I've ever met. That's an unbelievable story. What did you do to, like, how do you move forward? What did you do to move forward from that? Yeah, I think a lot of it was just, it humbled us quite a bit. It put us in a place of a mindset of like, your health is not something to be played with. I think we all get into a lot of mindsets of just go, 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 especially in a startup environment. If you're working in startups, it's a very time consuming, treacherous, stressful environment. And so I think it allowed us to take a step back and really prioritize our mental health and physical health. And so that's been something that I have kept with me and I cheerlead with my sales teams. I make sure that they are taking time off and they are keeping control of their health. There's been times where I've asked, like, when's the last time you had a physical? Like, I'm very, very cautious of that. But if I already wasn't working hard before that happened, that also triggered something in me 
to be successful enough to not only support my daughter financially from that perspective, but also put her in a situation where she would never have to worry about her health ever again from a medical perspective, a finance perspective, getting to and from doctor's appointments. So that kicked another drive in me. If, if I wasn't already in fifth gear, I was in fifth gear at that point. And from a career perspective, where did you go on from there? Yeah. So from the shipyard, it was one of the hardest decisions I made to leave. I had actually left and took a side job for a little bit and came back because I just missed being there and how well I could do there. But I made the decision at that time to move on to be a consultant with 10TV in the fan here in Columbus. And I knew one of the marketing directors at the company and just naturally flowed into there. Actually, someone who worked at the shipyard moved over to 10TV and said, you know, they're going to have this consultant role that I think is really interesting and you'd be really good at because I had already been consulting for digital marketing for some time. And so I took that role. I actually took a pay cut to go there at the beginning because, again, back to having a lower base and knowing my commission structure could take me to an expected earnings that I wanted to be at, I took that risk going there. And within the first year, actually landed a about a $1.5 million account, which was one of the largest accounts they had ever seen. And it was funny because it was an account that was already spending quite frankly, millions of dollars on TV, on TV ads, but hadn't spent a lot of money in digital marketing with us or radio. And so over time, just as <laughs> cold calling and prospecting is my greatest skill. And so I was able to get in front of their marketing director and really sell an entire strategy and it landed that account. So then my expected earnings again were just growing and growing and growing. And so landed at 10 TV in the fan, stayed there for about a year and a half and actually the company was on its way to selling. So the company was local for 100 years or something. It was a local company for a long time. And they sold to a company in New York. And I kind of saw that coming on the horizon a little bit. And so I wanted to bow out gracefully and hand off my accounts before the sale happened. And I did that. And as soon as I knew that that decision was coming is when the opportunity at Beam Dental came into my lap. So... I want to circle back to something yeah. that you had mentioned. You mentioned cold calling and which not too many things more challenging than pure cold calling. That's right. And not to say, you know, of course, there's other things that have really specific skill sets, but the mental toll that cold calling can take mm -hmm. is pretty significant. What's your mindset when you go into cold calling? Yeah, I do love cold calling. And I think I'm one of very few who do. Most times people admit the worst part of my job is prospecting. That's my favorite part. And I think going into that, because I'm really good at understanding a need right away, I do a lot of listening. A lot of cold callers now and or prospecting, what I see is they get on the phone, you get on the point of contact, and it's as quick as you can to throw product down their throat and tell them how great you are and what your product can do for them. But that is not how people in a general human state take information. It's by conversing back and forth. And so I always like to ask almost so many questions that they're just feeding me information. And I don't have to even talk about the product because you're just finding all those needs right away and fixing them. 
And a lot of my cold calls, a lot of people try to get off the phone as quick as possible and schedule that meeting. But I always found my best prospecting calls lasted like 15 to 30 minutes in a lot of cases. And then they closed really fast. And so I always like to open up with questions. I like to understand need. And I'm just very curious in how people divulge information. And most people like to talk about themselves. So it's really easy to get someone on the phone have them talk a little bit about what they're doing, what their pain point is. And then you have them at that point. I like training on cold calling too, because it's one of those things that you can tangibly see work. So you can give them, give a salesperson a quick talk track or a change in what they're saying, and they go right to the phone and do it. And it just changes instantly. And I love seeing that magic happen really quickly because you can't really see that in the rest of the pipeline or the funnel as quickly as you can in a cold call perspective. I agree. It's definitely, it's funny. The only thing that I've seen with the faster feedback loop than making a change in cold calling is stand-up comedy because (laughs) either they're laughing or they are not. Totally. So I think that's such a, it's so true. That is one of the beauties about kind of sales just in general is that instant feedback loop. Well, Uh, in person too, it's like, I'm clearly not a stand-up comic, but in in in-person sales, It's exactly that, too. I mean, you can see instantly if you're just hitting with them or not. I've had some pretty like embarrassing and just really bad stories of selling in person that someone's just like turned and walked away or slammed a door in your face or, you know, but that's that's another one that's really easy to tell if you're doing well or not. (laughs) So uh, getting back. So you beam dental Mm -hmm. and this was your first leadership role, correct? Yeah. What was that change like? Yeah. So I I wouldn't say directly managed, but I quote unquote managed a smaller team at the Fan and 10 TV because I did have account managers doing some of the side work. I had a sales ops girl who was entering all my insertion orders. So I was not directly their manager, but I was playing chess piece a little bit there. And I wanted to try people management because I was always really good at getting people to align on common goals and work together. So I figured this has got to be a a shoe in for me. And I organically gotten that role too. I honestly, I don't think I've ever applied for a role that I ended up getting. It somehow came to me through a friend of a friend of a friend or network. Beam Dental is another funny one. Same exact situation as the shipyard. I met Chris Prochak, who you and I both know, and I adore the most wonderful human being. And I met him at their office in the Industrious Building before they were even a carrier, essentially. They were getting their toothbrush off the ground and selling this Bluetooth toothbrush to insurance agents or brokers and carriers to be able to offer discounts on renewals. And so I met him in the office. We talked a little bit about the role. I did like a project day where I went in and prioritized their client base. And I was really excited because I thought I killed it. I walked out of there so excited. They didn't have benefits at the time. And I remember Prochak saying to me like, look, this is the one hiccup we have right now is we just don't have a benefits package yet, but we're on the verge of our Series B. So when that happens, we will have a big runway to be able to offer benefits and we're going to grow pretty quickly. I'll keep you in the loop. And I think like six months went by and he finally reached back out and said, hey, we have benefits. Actually, we changed our business model a little bit. We just landed our Series B privately, but 
we're going to be hiring and scaling our sales team significantly. Would you be interested in coming on board and managing or leading some of those teams? And it was a hell yes for me at that point. What was that transition like for you? It was hard. How come? So I had never been at a company. First, that was my first venture back company. I'd never been in a venture back company. I've been at private equity companies and privately owned companies, but never a company that was solely dependent on venture capital. And so I didn't even know, like, what the hell does a Series B mean? I don't know. I remember when before I accepted the sales director role, I was Googling venture capital and what it meant. I had no clue. Had a crash course with ProCheck, had a crash course with a few people and understood that the capital that we were gaining, we had to not only spend as quickly as possible, but we had to be able to show the growth of the company year over year in a very, very fast way. And so they came to me. I was one of the first sales directors they hired. Oddly enough, I was hired with a former friend and colleague of ours and Steve Reuter. And we came on board at the same time, had about four salespeople at that point. And I think the company had less than 50 people. I want to say less than 40, but it was right around that under 40 mark. And we were in another office at that point. We had become finally like a dental carrier and we're offering our carrier services to brokers. And that year, so May of 2019 to December of 2019 was the fastest moving role I've ever been in. It's kind of a blur, but we went from about four salespeople to 75 from May to December. I still don't know how the hell we did it, but we ended up hitting revenue goal that year too. We ended up closing our first $10 million in revenue that year. And then the pandemic hit in 2020. So that's a whole probably other conversation, but that was a really hard role, but I learned the most in that six to eight months than I have in currently any role I've probably ever had. So you grew that fast yeah. and the pandemic hit. Yeah. What challenges did that cause? Man, so I had a sales team. I was actually managing the BDR team at that point, which I loved, clearly, because I loved being a BDR. I actually got on the phones a ton with my team and we're just cold calling back and forth. And that team to this day, we are still very, very close. When you say that, why you said you were jumping on the phones as I was. well. Why was that important to you? So I've had a lot of managers in the past who delegate and kind of sit on this like ivory tower in a way, right? They're looking up from the top, they're delegating responsibilities and process and procedure and, you know, run, run, run. And I've always found that the leaders that I've had who can get in the weeds with the team and be like a player coach are the teams that are the most successful, hands down. I mean, it, there's no debate. And I knew early on that when I was managing just my first person, it didn't matter if my team was one or 20, I was going to do the work with them and I was going to show them that I was still capable of doing that work. There's a lot of sales leaders, I think, out there who don't know how to cold call and don't know how to close a deal or create an opportunity in their CRM. And that's a big problem, I think. And you see a lot of leadership teams struggle because they're not able to get in and see what their teams are doing. So that was really important to me, being able to also like selfishly show them like I can still beat you at this. Hmm. <laughs> I actually had a rep who I will never forget who was better than me at cold calling. He was fantastic. And it always kind of ate me, it ate away at me a little bit. But I loved that. I wanted to challenge everyone to be better and stronger and 
kind of keep that team camaraderie going. So you ultimately moved on from Beam Dental. Mm -hmm. What led to that decision? What was it that because you guys were continuing to grow, still yeah. are, being still growing. Yeah, absolutely. What was that? What led to that decision? And you know, what was kind of the driving factor for you? Yeah. So at the time, so my partner and I, my life partner, my wonderful life partner, I met at the shipyard. And as you know, we were fast, fast friends, friends for five years before we started dating. And I had brought him over to the shipyard as well. And during the pandemic, we got pregnant with our son. And it was kind of funny because we were locked in lockdown with me being pregnant with our son and at the time, like 11, 12 year old daughter. So it was interesting. And we both went on maternity leave. We both had 12 weeks paid. Beam has wonderful, wonderful benefits. They treat their employees from a benefits perspective really well. And so while we were off, there was this transitioning happening at Beam where the team was kind of moving to this different cycle where the BDRs kind of shifted out and they became almost like these associate account executives that were more focused on not just prospecting, but getting deals actually through the funnel. And so I offloaded my team. They all got promoted. I was really proud of that. I feel like my team all cross-functionally made that team what it was. But I took on more of this like communication, strategic sales enablement role. We were working with Salesforce and Sales Loft and Zoom Info and all these tools that were collaborating together. But there was always this friction point between sales, marketing, operations, and all of that. And my partner, Jared, was the Salesforce admin at the time. And when we're at home personally having these conversations about, oh my gosh, I hate this automation isn't fixed. And we're behind the scenes kind of fixing stuff. I'm seeing that it's having these fast impacts across the organization. And so right before I left for maternity leave, I had approached the VP of sales at that time and said, hey, like, I'd really love to move into like this enablement role. I think this is a really big opportunity for the company to start moving quickly in their systems. And of course, it was a month before I went on maternity leave. So I didn't necessarily shift into that role right away. But over that 12 weeks that I was on maternity leave, I started realizing that I wanted to try an operation style role, something that I could not only maybe lead a sales organization and start thinking about a revenue perspective, but how does that tie into operations? How does that tie into our systems? How does that tie into marketing? And so my brain started focusing at a really high level revenue role rather than just sales. And so at the time I, you know, over leave, I wasn't looking for new roles. I plan on coming back to Beam and keep going. And then I connected and met with Matthew Verizer, who you just had on the podcast. And he presented an opportunity to me at Ascend Innovations in Dayton that I couldn't turn down. So I left Beam on great terms. I still absolutely love that team. Um, and Jared's still there as their Salesforce operations administrator. And I still feel like a part of that team in a weird way. Yeah, but that was a fantastic time of my life at that company. You know what's interesting is, or what I find to be interesting in particular, is that when I hear you saying this, you're picking out what, like you're understanding what you want to do while you're at the job, not after taking the next job. And what I like to give you an example for me, I've been more opportunistic and it wasn't until I left to start my own company. It was the first time I would say that I did that decision. I made that decision for me in particular. Otherwise it was, 
the next good opportunity came around. And then in hindsight, I'd look back and be like, oh, I didn't like this or that about the job. What I love that you just said, and this does come up, this comes up quite a bit on the podcast, is you figured out this is where I like, this is the things that I really like to do. I've got the actual selling experience, I've got leading salespeople. And now for me to progress, to get into more of an executive level role, I've got to understand the operations, the process, the enablement side. Am I hearing that correct? That's right. Yeah. I always joke that I take on roles that I'm not super ready for. And I think that helps me learn really, really quickly and on my feet because I can identify process friction points really, really quickly. I can identify when a sales process is just not flowing well. And I think that's what's been interesting in my career is because a lot of sales leaders are just sales leaders. They come in as a true VP of sales. They're managing the sales team. They're thinking about that entire process. Whereas I have a more of a revenue mindset. I like to manage teams that are not only sales, but operations and account management and how those teams all work together. And so you're right. I identify what does my next role look like where I haven't done this thing yet that will allow me to start doing that thing instantly and learn as I'm going. Yeah. It also gives you an opportunity to try it out to yeah. see, like, do I even like doing right. this? So you moved on to the next company. What were you going into that? What did you want to get out of that role? Yeah. So Ascend Innovations is a company out of Dayton, Ohio. They are essentially a data science technology consulting firm. And Beam had gotten to the point where they were over, I think at that point, 300 employees, which was insane. I remember we all didn't fit on the floor of the office we were at at that point. And so I wanted first and foremost to go back to a building role that would allow me to start a company that was very small and start building revenue processes again. Because at Beam, we had built, 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 built. And at that point, it was kind of the wheels were running. Obviously, there's still always things you can fine tune and continue, but they were humming. And I felt like at that point, it was my time to bow out. And so I wanted to go to a company that didn't have anything figured out yet from a revenue perspective. And so Verizon came to me and said, look, we really need someone in a revenue headspace who can come in and understand what is our go-to-market plan? What are we doing internally from a technology perspective? What is our product market fit in general? What are we selling? And then what was the deal breaker for me and what I came on board for was they were serving a community and their mission was to work with uh, public health departments and recovery boards here in Ohio, which service those who are in active addiction or recovery, public health departments, you know, you think about underserved communities. And that was really, really important to me. My sister is in recovery. I've been through that entire process as a family member of someone in active addiction. And even though it wasn't like a frontline role, we were doing things in the back end and providing data to those government entities that needed it to make better decisions. And so that was a fantastic opportunity for me. And the company was only about 20 people and remained about 20 to 25 through my entire tenure there. What was it like working for more of a mission-driven company? It changed my entire mindset of my career, actually. So I'd come from startup, 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 insure tech, insurance space, digital marketing, really fast, fast-moving industries. But funnily enough, the insurance industry doesn't move fast, but it was always a fast-moving startup environment. And 
once I started working with Ascend and the people there and seeing how we can directly affect like a community and do well and do good. After my time at Ascend, I had some time off to reflect and I took some about two months off, had some great interviews with some fast growing, intense and amazing companies that were still in the insure tech space. And I turned those down because I wanted to go back to a company that I could believe in and have a and has a mission that I could be really proud of and touch. And it was important to me to work for a company that like my daughter and my kids would think was really cool. And now it's really cool that she kind of brags about things that I do. So that was really, really important to me to stay in a mission driven organization, no matter the size. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it's if I'm hearing you correctly, it's Insure tech companies are rapidly high growth companies doing really good work to kind of change an industry and evolve an industry. But what you wanted to do is you wanted the personal connection to it. And for you, this didn't have as personal of a connection as some of these things that you had kind of faced in your life personally. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. I even, when I was Going back into the workforce, I was consulting a little bit with you with Flash Growth and loved that work. And it was really fun because I got to meet a ton of really different clients in different industries. But what I, one of the things I really wanted to do was build the thing and see the impact later Mm -hmm. on. And correct. So for me, it was being able to touch the impact of the thing I was doing. And yeah, and insurance for me was great. It helped me build my career and I learned a ton but I wanted to continue that that work of, yes, we're a revenue org. Yes, Antflow is still a venture-backed company. But the mission and the people who are here aren't working to be a fast-growth, high-revenue, high-paying company. They're doing the work because they truly believe that menstruating humans across the world should have access to free period products. And that, to me, is really important. It's what helps me get up in the morning and keep going. If you can have a conversation with your younger self, age totally up to you, what would that conversation be and what advice would you give? I've thought about this question because clearly I've listened to all of your episodes and I was prepared, but now on the spot, it's a little different. Although my 20s were really, really hard. I had my daughter at 22. I was a single mom. I was taking a lot of jobs for a paycheck. But I think back to that, no matter how hard it was, I wouldn't change anything. I would just tell myself, like, your hard work is coming. Like, what you're doing is going to pay off. And be able to see myself kind of in the future of what I'm doing now and that I love. I don't, not that I am rich or wealthy by any means, but I don't have to worry about my daughter being fed. And so I would just tell myself, it is coming. Keep going. Don't give up keep your head down, work hard and work harder than anyone around you. That's my biggest thing is everyone around me. I want to work harder than, but also be the one in the room who doesn't know everything. So that's a big one for me. I love it. Jen, this has been incredible to hear your full story. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I've had a great time. This was fantastic. I was looking forward to it and I'm excited to see your other episodes too. I love it. I love it.